So here Once we again, go. I cut you off. <laughs> so here we go. You you cut everybody off. I just right, cut the camera's Justin cutting off. over. All right. Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams. I pastor a church located just outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. Uh, I am joined in studio by the man that really needs no introduction, Dick Dastardly, who in this particular season will be known as the Scrooge of Christmas Present, Creighton Vaughn. Hello. Christmas is a commercialized holiday that has nothing to do with Jesus. How are y'all doing? There you go. I feel very strongly about that. I know you do. And you're the Scrooge of Christmas Present. That That's going to be... You know, in November and December, that's going to be your your nickname, the Scrooge of Christmas Present. I'm actually finding the Scrooge of the Scrooge of Christmas always, like I can all, all year round. Give me a platform; I'll speak evil things about Christmas. All right. So the way <laughs> the way that this show works, it's an unscripted Bible study. I have no idea what we're going to be talking about tonight. Uh, Creighton, as the producer, will be introducing a topic or a passage of scripture, or a Bible character, something in that particular genre. And uh, then it's my job to turn that uh, topic into a Bible study. And I am joined in studio by a group of friends that help me do that by uh, interacting, asking questions, sharing feedback, their thoughts, Join in studio. Uh, we're going to work from left to right. Uh, Kyle, you've you've been out for a, a few weeks. Yeah, I missed last week. Can I share the title with Creighton? Because I also very much dislike the Christmas season in general. Oh, you want to share the title with, or no, come up can't. with something for me? We'll have to come up with something. All right, we'll for get. You. We'll get. So to that. you're you're as anti Christmas as possibly more so. I limited it to two days before Christmas and no days after, and no days after, yeah. and that's 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 an edict from on high. Yep. Like yep. Millie no, Killian, it's it, yeah. There's that's contention in the household. There's <laughs> there's contention in the household. Okay, so you lose. That that's what that means. Well, it, yeah, outwardly. Okay, outwardly, but yeah. you're standing <laughs> defiantly in, internally. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. We're also we're also Die joined. On that hill. We are also joined by uh, Spice Daddy. Merry who, Christmas, everybody. Who bah, who hum, looks bah. as though he ate Slim Shady tonight? Uh, that and that that as a as a one time former mall Santa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> story for nice. another time. No, I that's look, not a story for another time. I love <laughs> you were a mall I, Santa I, one time. Yeah. I, how is I, that? How does no one know that? It's because I was the only fat white guy with a beard in the middle of Beijing, China. <laughs> Wait, oh, you were a mall Santa in <laughs> China? China? That's awesome. And. So they really they the, they all think not only is Santa Claus white with a beard, right, but the right, largest right. human being they've ever seen. Pretty much. So they they <laughs> so got like me. Santa they, Claus and the Yeti is kind of a combination of the they, two. They asked me to do it, and I was I initially said no, but then they used the line, "Oh, it's for the orphans." Uh, which <laughs> it, it, which are it, a lot of orphans in they, China, and they were doing it for a charity for, for orphans. So I had to say. Yes. Um, <laughs> so what did you have to do? Did you like, ho, I, ho, ho? I sat there and they took pictures with me. Did you hear their, like their, like what they wanted for Christmas? Uh, they Freedom. could have been at that moment. I'd only been in China for like maybe a year or so. So my Chinese was not great. Um, so they so you have no saying, idea what they were I asking. No a lot idea of unhappy homes that year. <laughs> but, but needless to say, I, I love Christmas. And to you know, to all my Filipino brothers and sisters out there that, who are celebrating the Burr months where they start celebrating Christmas as soon as you start hitting Burr on the months. Mm, Gucci. Yeah, that's right. That's, yeah. 
Oh, I'm with them. I'm with them. I am not. <laughs> this this show is just a waste of everybody's time. No, so. it's not. So we also have Deal Daddy Derek. I enjoy being happy throughout the year, so I do also celebrate Christmas at the end of the year. I know you're a pleasant person. <laughs> like Pleasant people like to celebrate Christmas. Now, I've been told uh, you're going to be embarrassed. I'm going to bring this up. That you have like the greatest team name for your fantasy. <laughs> oh, Daddy's Little Winners. Daddy's We're gonna win. Little Winners. Miami, Florida. Where you at, Daddy's Little Winners? <laughs> Probably not gonna win. I went. I Miami, was doing Florida. Like zero. Nashville, Tennessee. Yeah. Lexington. Tom Kentucky. Brady. Tampa Bay is Florida. Stand together. Represent. <laughs> not little from Florida. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Team. Daddy's yeah. Little Winners. Okay. How, how's your team doing? Great. I'm doing, uh, hold on, let's pull it up real quick. No, we don't have to do that. We no, we are, that. and we're going we're just to. I'm doing it right now. now. I am, I'm talking the whole time. It's three and seven. You're, so I'm you're doing not great. doing very well. I'm doing amazing. Bro. Bro. I, lose the lose great. Uh, I was, what I was going to say is I was 0 and 5, and I was like, well, I could keep a perfect losing streak. <laughs> and then I just ended up lucking out. <laughs> we're going to take it a turn. All here. my little winners have been doing great, so I don't know what to say. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, we are joined in studio <laughs> by, by a familiar face, a dear friend, uh, Mr. Kenneth Snipes. How are you, my friend? Doing all right. Doing all right. So, celebrating uh, Christmas. Say what? <laughs> celebrating Christmas. <laughs> celebrating Christmas. See, a normal person for once in studio. I mean this in the best way possible, as we'll talk about some tonight. Kenneth is not a normal person. Normal people don't do what Kenneth does. So, okay, well, I guess that's so, a decent. It seems it's, really normal to me. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's boy. cold out there today, man. You got to start Christmas when it gets cold. It, yeah, <laughs> and it is cold. Uh, well, let, let me just, before we get into anything we're going to be doing today, I want you to just take a second, Kenny, and, uh, share with the audience kind of, uh, who you are, what you do. I know that this might feel like a, a repetition for, for me and maybe the guys in the room. Uh, but for someone that might not know you, uh, that might be listening to this, whether it's on the podcast or watching here on the live stream, uh, tell people about your organization, your mission, uh, what you and your wife are doing, what your family's doing and, uh, and just kind of. Uh, fill everybody in, bring everybody up to speed. Cool. So I met Zach because my wife was in his youth group. So um, there's a little difference, age difference between me and Zach. Uh, I love Nikki to death. Yeah, so there's yeah. no, there's no debating that. Yeah. So uh, me and Nikki were in high school together, high school sweethearts, and we started going on mission trips in high school. And that's, that's the history of it. That's how we got exposed to it. And we've been passionate about missions ever since. And, um, so maybe take one step back. You, you do what for a living? So we're missionaries. So you're a missionary. Yeah. Let's start there. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go real broad. So we're full-time missionaries in Honduras. We in Honduras. In, that's yeah. the next location. Yeah. There we go. So we're in Honduras. So we live in a town called Siwatepeque. God bless you. Siwa. It's a little <laughs> better, easier to say. Siwa. Right, right in the center of Honduras. It's actually the geographical center of the Americas. Wow. So pretty cool. Fun. That's a fun fact. Yeah. Fun fact there. We live in the center of the America. You're like the belly button, the belly button <laughs> the, of the America. You, you should make a t-shirt for your town. We should do that. We're we, the belly button of the America. I don't even know how to translate belly button, but I'll have to work on. I'm that. sure you could just do a stick figuring and put a dot. That's what I'm yeah. looking up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we, we live in the belly button of the Americas, uh, you know, serving people down there. We're actually, we, uh, we strive to be missionaries to missionaries. So our, our, our first call down there is to, is to go out and, and make contacts and, and network with the missionaries that are already on the field doing great things and partner with them on their projects. Now, it's, it's been about a year or so. You were here last year. 
When, when was the last time you were with us? Man, I was here. Was it last year? It had to have been 2020. The end of 2020? Because, yeah, okay, 2020, so yeah. we ended up having this conversation that, that you and your wife, you had done a lot of short-term mission trips, you know, since back in, in high school, you had a, yeah. a love for this area. You'd been to this area. Uh, you guys, it's kind of what brought you guys together. Of like, hey, we, 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 God has called both of us to this. And it was something that you guys identified with. Um, and then you had done a bunch of short-term trips, had gone there for a little while at one point, had moved back, but it was, it was nothing super permanent. And then it was, that was the goal. That was the plan. So you yeah, started yeah. selling stuff, selling house, getting finances, generating support, um, coming up with a plan. That's when you and I sat at a, a Mexican restaurant and I, I got your pitch. That's this is right, what we're looking right. at doing. Yeah. Um, and then you guys moved down there. You took this big step of faith. You had two little ones at the time. Yep. How old were they when you first left? They would have been, Nikki's going to correct me, but I think they were three and four. Close enough, right? Yeah. When did you move to South America? Uh, Central America. Central America. 2020. 2020. But it was when in 2020? It was six weeks before they shut everything Exactly, down. right. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you move, it's hard enough leaving family, leaving friends, moving to another culture. Jesus is calling you. You're on an adventure. The, the plan, and again, I don't want to get too far ahead of ahead of you, but yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when you when you when you relocate to something like that, it's like, especially doing it the way that you did it, where you, you don't have some gigantic uh, organization facilitating the move. You know, there there are various like big, you know, missions organizations associated with large denominations where they'll vet people. And I mean, you go down there, but they've got all the everything. Everything's set up for you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was not your situation. You guys are like, we're freelancing this. Yeah, it's taking a step of faith, and then the world shuts down. Absolutely. And we, so you're like we, finding a house, like you're yeah, totally we, dis disoriented. We moved in like a couple, like a week or so before they shut everything down, and then we didn't even have time to buy furniture. We bought we bought three beds and a TV that was free with the beds. I think if I remember right, and it's a good deal. Yeah, yeah, great. It was like a thirty inch flat screen, huge, you know, <laughs> massive. <laughs> yeah, and um. And like, we didn't have a couch. We didn't have any living room furniture. We didn't have a kitchen table and like nothing opened up till well into the, the fall of 2020. So we just had the floor. You hunkered down for yeah. like we sat, me and Jack sat down on the tile floor and watched the Braves. What was that like to, to, you know, again, that move had to have been exciting. You know, this is a venture of faith. You guys are geeked up about Lord, what doors are you going to open? Um, how are you going to use us? What opportunities are there? Um, you know, you get there, you're starting to have fun, getting settled in. Like there's so much excitement, adrenaline, you know, faith. And then everything screeches to a halt and you're basically locked down. Yeah. And, and it's not even basically locked down. We like, were, were completely locked hardcore down. Hardcore locked down. Not allowed to leave your house unless it was your day of the week to leave. You can leave every, you can leave your house every 10 days to, depending on your, to ID get number. food and whatnot. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, how did that, I mean, I mean, I, that had to have been a very depressing, like, oh my goodness, what are we doing? Oh yeah. Lord, was, uh, like if anything made us like, if anything, you know, caused me to begin to doubt my art decision, it was that, I mean, for sure, you know, we were locked in this house. It didn't have any furniture. And we had people that we had told all these great, you know, we told this great vision to these great ideas that we were going to be, you know, helping <laughs> all these people in Honduras. And then we were locked in our house. 
It's like you pray for open doors and the Lord not just shuts them, but locks them from the outside. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of missionaries left the field during that year. I mean, we, a lot of our contacts that we, that we knew down there, people that we had built relationship with over the past, whatever it is, 15 years working down there, decided that was their, their, their call to pack up and come back home. Now you guys stuck it out. You hunkered down, you kept faith, Lord, you're in control. And this is part of this process. Took advantage of the time worked on learning uh spanish you know the kids with school i mean they you had plenty to do still and ministering to the people that were directly around you i know you had a lot of creative ways of just of just still being used during the pandemic i want to fast forward uh way beyond that because more of that story i encourage you to go back creighton you might be able to find the, the last episode that we had kenny on um and then we can post a link so that there's a lot more to this story yeah, yeah, that absolutely. you we've already recorded but you guys are now in a season where the pandemic's kind of behind everyone almost it's it's, actually there's there's still a mask mandate in honduras is there really yeah wow yeah but by and large but mostly yeah you know things are like you're able to now get out there and start doing yeah the things that you were you were really you felt called to and and in private conversations that you and i've had um i think what's been really neat and what i've really admired about uh, the way that you guys have done missions and this is a shameless plug but i, I mean this you know I, I think a lot of times there's such a pretentiousness to missionaries of like <clears throat> okay i love this culture i love this people i'm gonna i'm gonna go there and be their savior i'm gonna tell them how to do church i'm gonna tell them how to run their lives i'm gonna tell them that i'm gonna go down and make their thing better um more american more american often is is how that ends up translating um, you guys took a, a, a much, I think, humbler approach in the sense of like, we do love this culture. We do love this area. We do feel called to serve these people, but instead of like going down with this, like really hard line plan, um, you know, this, the, the book we're going to go by, uh, we're going to go and more of just try to get into the community, learn the people. You, you might think you know the culture by visiting, but it's different when you're living on the block, yep. you know, and you're rubbing shoulders with people and you're buying groceries and you're going to school and like, let's go and let's spend some time actually immersing ourselves in this community. And then in that process, we begin to learn and see um, what needs are really there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's such a cool thing about what you guys are doing. Now I'll, I'm going to set that up by asking two questions. What things did you think, maybe going down, Hey, we're going to definitely do this. But now that you've been down there, you're like, you know, I don't think we'll actually do that. On the flip side, now that you've been in the culture for so long, how's the Lord leading and guiding you? And, and how is this like, what are the needs that you're seeing? How is that shaping your ministry? So when, when Nikki and I moved down there the first time we did such a bad job of being missionaries, we really tried, <laughs> we really tried not to have you know, goals and ideas of what we wanted to do because it had been, it had been six years, almost six years since we had lived in Honduras. And, uh, we didn't, we didn't really set a whole lot of goals. We, when we sat down with our, with our potential donors, they asked what we were going to do. We said, we really don't know. The one thing we knew we wanted to do was network with other missionaries. And, and God so, called you. Yeah. And, and God, and then God was calling us to do this. And it was once, and we, and we told people it was one step at the time. We said, God's calling us to Honduras. We're not sure what he's going to have us do, what he's going to have for us when we get there. But, that's what, uh, that's what we did. So, so we moved down there. What, what have you been doing now? Like how so, is being in the culture? How has that shaped what you're, what you're actually doing? 
so so now or what you're planning to do what you're looking to do yeah yeah absolutely so we've we spent the last three years building relationships getting to know people and uh both hondurans local folks and then missionaries that were already on the field and we have uh we have some pretty big plans for this coming up here we want to start a missionary co-working uh um what do we call it missionary co-working like um, a co-op type of a yeah, thing where we're collective a collective yeah. yeah so there's a there's a spanish institute in our in our town that uh, that between 150 and 300 missionaries a year come to to learn spanish and um a lot of those people are going to be in honduras permanently a lot of people are going to move on to different latin american countries but they're just stopping you know stopping by to learn the language and we see a huge opportunity to reach out to those folks because we know what it feels like to be transitioning missionaries in the worst times uh, you know, transitioning our family from life here in the States, you know, normal life to, to transitioning to the mission field. And so we want to open up this uh, co-working space. That's what we're calling it. Co-working space where uh, missionaries can come in. They have access to uh, high speed Internet. Uh, they can come in, work on their Spanish homework, work on their newsletters, have, you know, uh, you know, video meetings with their supporters back in the States. Because a lot of times when they come down here, they don't have they don't have access to Internet. They don't have a really nice apartment where they can sit down and work. Um, we want to have a playground where they have a safe place for their kids to come because safety is a big thing. Safety is a big thing. I mean, especially like now, I mean, I'll take my kids anywhere, but when we first moved down there, we were super, you know, careful and, and well, you take your kids concerned. anywhere now because you know where not to take them. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But when we, when we first moved down there, like it was months before my kids saw a playground and well, yeah, a long time, several months before my kids saw a playground. So we want to offer a space for missionaries to be able to come down that are going to the Spanish Institute or, you know, missionaries that are already in our town and established to just be able to come out, and, you know, let their guard down a little bit, relax, you know, have a cup of coffee, let their kid play on the playground and, and, you know, network, encourage one another, make exactly. connections. And then we're also starting some, uh, some missionary finance training where uh, I'm a Dave Ramsey fanatic. So uh, my wife and I have been debt free since high school and we want to encourage other people to, to have that, you know, same mindset. A lot of the missionaries that are down there right now, in our town are in a lot of debt and that's just not a good place to serve from. So right. We're going right. to offer some classes, some finance classes, some orientation classes, and then like simple stuff. Like when, when moms come to town, Nikki invites them over to the house to have a, um, have a mom and kids play group. Uh, she's done a ton of work, like taking people to the grocery store, showed them around town, showed them how to get a bank account, just things like that, that, that even the, you know, even the folks that come with it, with a really organized organization, like you were talking about earlier, they still don't get those that help. They still don't get those things. And so uh, we're just want to I'd really like to transition missionaries onto the field a little easier. Um, make it less of a struggle because you they already had to leave their home. They already had to leave their comforts of the states to come down to Honduras. And they're, they're in it. A lot of them are in a transitional period. So let's make that as easy as we can make it make it as smooth and and uh, pain free as possible. So I'm going to say something that um, I don't I don't mean this and, and got I, I crack jokes from time to time, but God honest, this is not a joke. This is a legitimate, a legitimate statement. Um, I think I'm getting nervous. Now. Uh, I know. So am I, <laughs> I got to figure out how to say this without getting in trouble. Um, a lot of Americans are, our perception of like Hondurans or Salvadorans or, or whatnot is that they are, especially because of our exposure to, to them. Um, we have a belief that they, that they like come pre-made with certain gifts and abilities like um that they're really good at carpentry they're great at sheetrock they're really good at soccer at paint so soccer 
Um, but no, like I'm just saying, like the truth. That's actually real. But like, but like that they, but that they, what we don't often realize is that immigrants that get to America don't come very equipped and 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 able. They're they're just they just want to work. Like they learn their skill and craft often here in America. They don't come with the skill. I guess that's the right way to yeah, say it. They I'll don't you, come with the skill. I'll give you an example of, of somebody. I know a guy, uh, his name is Mario. He lives not too far from here. And he came in 1998 after basically completing pharmacy school in Honduras to become a pharmacist. And Hurricane Mitch hit in 1998, like wiped out a ton of Honduras. And he just didn't see any hope in the country. And so he crossed the border into the States. Basically, I mean, he lacked, I, I believe it was months of having his degree in pharmaceutical, whatever, being a pharmacist. And uh, he came here and started painting houses. Right. He learned to trade. Yeah. And just to make a living. Yeah. Just to, just to make ends meet. Now yeah. I, I say that because, you know, we, we go, we have this idea that like, Hey, American kids are really lazy. Um, but the South American, Central American kids are not, you know, like, no, no. but you've found that one of the needs within that community is, is to act like there's not as many artisans yeah. and, and, uh, craftsmen, tradespeople, tradespeople in, in, in that area. Yeah. Like yeah. We, so, we think, well, like everybody can do everything. So that that's the second, that's actually the second goal that we have for next year. That I know that like, was a setup. That yeah, was, there a, you go. I like that. that was setting, was, yeah. uh, you did that really well. Smooth. I'm a professional. Uh, Nothing about the that was smooth. You've been doing the people, Creighton. You've been a doing man. this radio show for a while, right? For a while. Yeah. So, so you know, going into that, the along with that, you know, in that same facility that we want to have the missionary co-working space, we want to have a an after-school program for high school students, and the goal in that is to uh, expose them to different trades and things that they could be in, you know, they could be involved in, and something they could become passionate about. Um, most kids, ha most kids in our town have two visions, two dreams. One is to become the next Christian Ronaldo, famous soccer player. For those of you who only watch American football, <laughs> famous um, soccer player who's washed up and is alienated yeah. Manchester United. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, drop some soccer knowledge. There you go. <laughs> Bam. So, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of guys want to, uh, you know, they, they want to be a famous soccer player, which we know here in the States. I mean, there's tons of kids that want to be a famous baseball player. Yeah, my kids a, are, are convinced they'll both be Braves players. Yeah. And there's very high percentage that that's not happening. Not going to happen. So, um, as good as Axe kids are at playing. Probably ball, not going to happen. Yeah. Nice and no. probably strong chance. Yeah. Theo so, has a better chance of managing yeah. or, or being the general manager yeah. of the Atlanta Braves and actually playing for the Braves. Quincy landscaping. There you go. There you go. And he's white. God. So, uh, hey, hey, you get a goodness. degree to landscape on that turf. So, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's that. And then the other thing that the other vision that the other dream that these kids have, if you can even call it that, is to come to the States and, and do something here, whether right. it's wash dishes or paint houses or, you know, whatever kind of work they can get. If you ask opportunities, them, if you ask, if you ask these kids, what do you want to do when you get to the States? Because the answer, when, when you ask, what do you want to do? Like, I'm going to go to the States. Well, what do you want to do when you get there? Work. I mean, that's it. You know, right. whatever, whatever they come across, if it's, if it is wash dishes for cash, you know, under the table, that's what it'll be. Um, if it's paint houses, that's great. If it's, you know, run handyman business, whatever it is, that's what they want to do because they know that there's more opportunity here. Of course, nobody tells them the cost of living here in comparison to the cost of living where they're and at. And so you've got, you've got all these kids though. Yeah. These are the two dreams. And so what are you, you're wanting now that you've been there, 
and, and you're seeing like there's not mentorship there's not yeah. there's not training there's not one-on-one discipleship in that regard and so so the plan here is to kind of move with that right what we want to do is we want to pick these kids up before they drop out of high school or finish high school we want to grab them in that you know that's kind of a vital time that sweet spot and um, pick them up from school um bring them over to the bring them over to the workshop bring them over to the the facility and and basically spend you know the school year you know weeks at the time exposing them to different trades exposing them to carpentry exposing them to barbers like the best barber in town come in and get free haircuts to all the kids teach them you know what he does how he how he makes a living but plumbers um coding people that are doing coding because that's a really big thing now electrical just fill in the blank any 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 sort of trade we want to expose them to that and then pay attention to each kid individually and see what what sparks an interest and then do what we can to to propel them forward whether it's with an apprenticeship or trade school or whatever it may be to to get them into a a career that they can that can be sustainable and then teach them the entrepreneurial skills like customer service and budgeting to help them succeed in that business And then, uh, and then also teach them that look, I mean, Honduras for now is still a capitalist nation. So if you could be the best plumber in town, people are going to call you, and you're going to make more money than everybody else. It's right. just it's the way capitalism works. It doesn't matter if it's Honduras or the United States. And, and going um, to America is doesn't have to be the dream. Yeah, you can make your dream where you are. Yeah, and the goal the goal is to have Hondurans that have chosen to be successful in their in, in that environment come in and teach these classes. It's not it's not going to be me, the the American guy who was privileged and and born in the States, it's going to be, I'm going to choose, I'm going to, I'm going to seek You're going to out facilitate, Hondurans. facilitate yeah. it. I'm going to facilitate, I'm going to seek out Hondurans that have chosen to make life happen there. And the thing we want that we really want to teach the kids is look, as long as the best Hondurans keep leaving and going to the States, there's, there's no chance of Honduras getting any better because the government's not going to fix the country. It's got to be the, the citizens, the people who live there. How can people learn more about your organization or get in touch with you? If, uh, if well, they might even want to support. Yeah. The, I mean, the, I love to talk if you can't tell. So the best way is just to reach out to us directly. We're on, you know, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Bridges Across the Mission Field is the name of our ministry. Um, is there a website or a Facebook page? What's the, like, yeah, is it an easy link that we can give Craig and Craig can put on the thread or something? Yeah, yeah, I can, I can, I can, uh, I can send you guys the link, but it's, but the Facebook is just Bridges Across the Mission Field. It's easy to find. Great. It is the, it's a mouthful and it's the only ministry on Facebook or the only fa- page on Facebook called with that name. Okay, so and it's then, easy to find. Yeah, it's super easy to find. And then, um, and yeah, you can reach out to me and Nikki directly. And and you're uh, gonna be in the states for another couple of weeks too. So yeah, just yeah, a few more days. Yeah, yeah, so. a few more days, guys. Before we transition to the topic for tonight, uh, I wanted to give Kenny Kenny an, an opportunity to share. Y'all have any questions for him about missions work, about what they're doing? Uh, you guys have anything? anything? Uh, the local church there. I know there's a lot of missionary stuff, but like always viewed traveling not to go in and try and change the church god already established a church there yeah how do you work with the local church so there, when we got there, there six weeks after we got there all the local churches closed down because the country forced them to mm-hmm. and we didn't have a home church so the first church that opened back up actually was called uh, esperanza viva uh, which is like hope hope lives i think is the translation and um they we heard they had opened up you know, contrary to what the government was allowing. And so we showed up and went to visit them. And it's been it's been really great. We've had a lot of opportunity to partner with them. They're very active in the community. Um, it, it's grown exponentially just since 2020. But uh, the the majority of the church in Honduras is Catholic. Mm-hmm. So uh, the evangelical movement is much smaller than the Catholic movement. There's a ton of generational Catholics in the country. So that's the status of the church right now. D, Kyle, anything? 
God bless you, man. That's not my calling. Yeah, you guys come down and hang out for a while. It'd be pretty cool to let you see what's going on. Great. Any question cool. for Kenny or you want to drop a topic? Uh, I can drop a topic. I would like to second Kyle. I'm so glad that we have people like you in the world because boy, do I like America. Yeah, yeah. And I would like I, to, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I am a homebody. I'll come um, come yeah. Justin's a traveler. I am not. Uh, well, since we have a uh, a missionary, a former missionary, possibly a missionary again. I was an English teacher, never did missionary work anywhere. Right. You love Jesus and you taught English, right? <laughs> yes. But and, he's, it, again, he's winking because he was in some, Sometimes China. I would yeah. use an ancient 66 books to teach English with. Mm. Right, oh, right, right. Uh, that was a slip of my part. That reminds me of the days of using Gchat and having the talking code to you. Talking yeah. code. Um, <laughs> Top since we so, have missionaries, yes. Okay. Uh, my question is, where does the where does the profession slash calling of missionary come from? Like, I don't think that missionary is a title we see in the Bible. Like, we know that Paul went on missions. Um, Jesus sent the um, apostles a couple of times, like into the field around them. And you could kind of call those missions. Um, but I'm talking specifically like this idea of wonderful people who are for the most part lifers, like missionaries are lifers. A lot of the time, where did that come from? It's a very big thing in, um, a lot of churches, especially like I, spent my time in college with a bunch of Baptists and missions was a big thing. We talk about missions all the time. Um, where does this idea of it being a profession and a, like this self-contained thing come from as opposed to just being a subset of evangelism? That's a great, do you understand where I'm coming no, absolutely, from? Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. That's a, and you and I've had similar conversations about this, this topic. Yes. Uh, in the past. Um, Missions is a very interesting concept, interesting topic. And I'm going to probably say some things that are, that's going to really upset some individuals. Um, Kenny, you're going to need to hear me all the way through. Okay. To the end. <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. Uh, before before uh, you get up and storm out. Um, <clears throat> first, let's st start with like the Old Testament. The Old Testament, there is absolutely, well, before we even get there, uh, if you are watching the live stream and you'd like to join the conversation, if you'd like to ask questions related uh, to what we're talking about, if you have a question about Kenny and his ministry, uh, we have two threads on both the YouTube channel as well as the Facebook page um, under the video. You can leave a comment. Creighton, you are monitoring those, correct? Indeed. And so if somebody drops a note, you will bring that into the show if it's applicable, correct? Yes. So, and you're also putting the topic on. So if someone's just joining us now, we're, we're talking about missions. We've got a good, uh, a good friend of ours, uh, Kenny Snipes is in studio with us. He's a missionary in Honduras, uh, him and his wife, uh, good friends of ours. And so we're talking about missions tonight. And so before I dive into the topic, felt like you need to do a better job of repeating what we're, what we're discussing for those either listening on the podcast or watching live. So again, if you're watching live, uh, drop a note, let us know you're, you're with us and ask a question and join the conversation. You guys as well with the topic at any moment, you guys want to jump in, uh, flag me down, and, uh, and and your thoughts are always appreciated. Uh, regarding the Old Testament, you know, we had this very interesting uh, setup in regards to, you know, God and his plan for the world. So we're going to really kind of try to unpack this very macro and work down to the micro. Um, 
you get to God's calling of Abraham and there's a whole lot of history. A whole lot of stuff happens before that. Um, you know, God dealing with the world, his plans to provide a savior, um, that all gets established following the fall and a prophecy given to Eve that it would be through the seed of the woman that God would provide a savior that would crush Satan's head, even though Satan would bruise his heel. So there was always this prophetic messianic promise of God providing a savior through humanity, um, that God would become flesh, that idea of the incarnation. Um, the question would be like, how would that manifest? How would that work itself out? And, and you know, the early story for several chapters of Genesis, it's fairly chaotic, even to the point that knowing this dynamic, we're given an interesting uh, perspective into the satanic strategy of this. Uh, you know, first, you know, boy one, kills boy too. Cain kills Abel. Again, this, this idea of, of, you know, the attack of humanity. Uh, but then you have the, the, the sons of God coming into the daughters of men. You have this corroding corruption of the genetic gene pool. It's a total mess, total disaster. God calls out Noah, who was righteous, his sons, their wives. He destroys the earth with a flood. He starts over and he tells, he tells everybody spread out. You know, multiply, fill the earth, spread out. What, did, what does humanity immediately do? The opposite. They congregate. It's called the Tower of Babel. Um, again, bad move. A, a next rebellion against the, the wishes of God. They build a tower. They tar it so it's waterproof. You think they're sending a signal. Uh, we don't need you, God. We don't want God. And so God confuses the languages and forcibly scatters them. And in the midst of all of that, we're given then, I think it's chapter 11, this genealogy. Um, and then that genealogy leads us to this man, Abraham. And then it's it's through Abraham now that God is going to work this plan of redemption. So in, instead of kind of like trying to deal with all of humanity, God's like, forget this. He sends them all across the earth. And he's like, this guy, I'm going to call him out of the world and I'm going to do a work through him and his family. And so we have the Abrahamic covenant. We had this calling of Abraham and that gets passed down to the son of promise, Isaac. And then and it's not Esau, the firstborn, but it's Jacob, <clears throat> the heel catcher. Um, and then, you know, he has his 12 sons. And so God, the, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, God is working this plan. They become, they go from a family to a nation in Egypt. They get called out of Egypt back to the land of promise. He's going to make them a nation. Again, he's going to use this nation to be a light and example into the world. He's going to work his plan to save the world through this group of people. So there's this big macro picture, all this stuff happening. Again, we're in the book of Exodus at this point, Leviticus. <clears throat> they get to Sinai. God is giving them all of these uh, instructions in which to make them distinct and unique and to keep them separate and preserved. <clears throat> the whole plan, you know, God he calls out a family, makes them a nation, puts them into a very particular piece of land, real estate. He organizes the land. Now we're into numbers. You know, each of these families have different plots. They all have different roles. They all have different jobs. In the center of the camp, God dwells. He has them build this tabernacle, this tent. Later, it'll be the temple. He dwells in the midst. So he, God is in the midst of this land, this people, this family, this nation, this people group. And they're all called out <clears throat> to be a light into the world. Now, in the Old Covenant, that Old Testament model, there is no concept of missions whatsoever. 
In fact, God to his people is quite like the the, the anti-mission and, and the way that we perceive missions. It was, don't go into the world. In fact, it was like, don't leave the land. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and don't interact with any of the people. Stay separate, stay holy. Now there was an open invitation. If the world wanted to know the life that God had for them, look no further than the Hebrew people. That was their job. They were to be a city up on a hill. They were to be the example of the life that God had for all of humanity. That's why they were to be different. That's why they were to be distinct. That's why they had all these unique characteristics because the world, if they wanted to know what kind of life God had for them, they they were to find it in the Hebrew people. Now, this wasn't to be a killjoy. I mean, think about like some of the unique things that God did within this people group to articulate to the world, like what he really wanted for life. Like take the sap, the idea of the Sabbath is a completely foreign notion to any other world culture. And yet God wanted his people to work six days and take a whole day off. All the other nations are working. And yet the Hebrew people are doing nothing. They're doing nothing. They're hanging out. And then like they were to work six years. And then the seventh year, they take the whole year off. Imagine if there was a country on the planet that had that particular model. Where it was like, let's say Mexico. Mexico is like, you know what? From this point forward, we're gonna we're gonna trust God. We're gonna work six years. Seventh year, total vacation. It would be the envy of the world. Like it would be very noticeable, right? And then if you had this idea, this concept of like the year of jubilee, where it's like, hey, you you incur debt and you lose land and this and that, but you know, the fiftieth year, <clears throat> all gets all debts are wiped clean. You know. Like there were all these characteristics that God instilled in the Hebrew people to be a beacon into the world that he had a better way to live. It wasn't to restrict, like all the the particular restrictions on sex. It wasn't to limit the enjoyment of sex. It was to preserve the enjoyment of sex. It was like you had all these hedonistic cultures around that were killing themselves with STDs and God had this like, this very unique plan. You can have a lot of fun with this, but here's some safeguards. And so if the world wanted to know how God designed life to be, you you were to look at the nation of Israel. And if you wanted to encounter God, well, it was very simple. Everyone was free to come. There were no limitations. Anyone, any Jew or Gentile, they were free to come into the land and go to the temple And then there was a a structure by which anyone could encounter God, by which anybody could interact with God. It was was a beautiful thing, an amazing thing. And you have examples in the Old Testament of people taking advantage of this, from Ruth, who was a Moabite, to Rahab, the harlot of Jericho, to the Queen Sheba, you know, who hears of, of, of all that's going on. She travels up to see it. And so you had this idea of like if you if you wanted to encounter God. You had to come to a physical place, an actual location, and you could do so. Well, <clears throat> what ends up happening is that all of this is sim- symbolism of God's ultimate plan, of the ultimate strategy. So we get to the new covenant. And then the new covenant, is there a temple? You say no, Creighton. You're shaking your head no. There's not a temple. Not a physical one. I didn't ask you that. I said, is there a temple? Well, then I guess you could call, Jesus calls himself the temple. Okay. Is, 
well, we're, but we're also called temples, temples of the living God, right? And and the temple, in its most simplistic definition, is 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 the dwelling place of God, mm-hmm. which is why the the physical human temple and the tabernacle before was all modeled after what the throne room of heaven. It's where God dwelt on earth. That was a physical place. But today there's no longer a need for a physical place, not because there's not a need for a temple, but because now the temple not being a physical location, but being actual people who have been filled with the presence of God. And so instead of like soliciting the world to come to a physical place, God fills the hearts of his followers and does what? He now sends them into the world so that you don't have to come someplace to encounter God. God is brought to the people to be encountered wherever you are in whatever culture. And thus you get the great commission where instead of coming to one place, I'm going to fill my people with my presence and I'm going to send you into the world. It's a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing. It's, it's, it's a complete flipping all rooted in the same ideas, but a complete flipping of it. Now, again, the great commission is given to Christians. The great commission is not given to the church. The church was commissioned, established, formed by Jesus as his, as, as, as the body, as his body, his bride, his body. And thus it's the church's job to minister to Christians, to equip Christians to go and fulfill the great commission. You don't have any type of, of defined role of missionary within the new text, new Testament concept. You don't have the idea of, of like, okay, Paul was a missionary, but he was an apostle. Like that was his actually like church title was apostle. Paul didn't call himself a missionary in that sense. Um, Timothy, Titus, they were missionaries. They traveled with Paul, but they were pastors. Pauline epistles, the pastoral epistles um, written to those men. Uh, Peter, an apostle. You have apostles, you have prophets, you have very distinct roles that are to be filled within the church. There is not a role defined as missionary within the New Testament. And so the first part of the answer is there isn't anything. And to some extent, I think we've, we've, we've done a disservice by creating one, like by, bold, by, by bold. saying like, Agreed. like by saying, Hey, we're Christians and we're deacons and we're elders and we're lay people. And we have missionaries here mm-hmm. and it's the missionaries that go and do that stuff. And we go and do this stuff. And I, I think, I think that that's a problem because hey, that's not a biblical distinction. Uh, that's a made up one. Um, I will also say that the, the, <laughs> Part of part of the problem and the development of missionary societies is that um, people, individuals, stop fulfilling the, that 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 clarion call of the Great Commission, and so the church then started to organize and like, well, um, we need to reach these places, so let's raise up people, and and a lot of times those people. Uh, just really want to travel um, mm-hmm. and just see parts of the world than actually, again, taking, there's not a, a role called missionary. Here's why there isn't. Everyone is called to be a missionary. 
I mean, I mean that's the distinction. Like, if you understand the, the like God's blueprint of evangelism, it's that every single person that he died, redeemed, saved, and they've given their life to him, they're on a mission. Now, what the mission is, is up to them and Jesus. Because you didn't give your life to a church. You didn't give your life to a pastor. You gave your life to a Christ, a Savior. His name is Jesus. And in giving your life to him, he now is the one as Lord that has the authority to dictate your mission. You know, am I a missionary? Absolutely, I guess in a, in a sense. My mission field is, is Winder, Georgia, and the outlying areas. That's where God has called me to. You know, and, and creating your mission. You know, your mission is is to the field in which you're in mm-hmm. or wh- where God has called you to. Like, <clears throat> we are each just as much of a missionary wherever we are as Kenny and Nikki are in a foreign country. The, the, the only difference is that their mission is somewhere different. It's somewhere foreign. But that doesn't that doesn't mean that that Kenny's any more of a missionary than Derek. Now, as a church, we, we will classify them differently. Well, Derek's a layman at a at a local church, and Kenny's the missionary. No, 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 no. They're both missionaries because there isn't a distinction in the scriptures. We're all missionaries, or we're just both believers. You're both believers on mission. Yeah. On mission, but and I do think that 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 the distinction that's made is so many people don't understand that they're on a mission. Like like we don't we don't step up we don't see ourselves in this context because because we um, <clears throat> we minimize what we're actually to be doing right now. I think a so, lot of, a lot of the confusion comes from you know you keep saying like missionary like you you know you've got a mission. Everybody who is a Christian has been given that mission. We've been the great commission is to go out and to spread the gospel. I think the, the confusion comes where people start to kind of assume or think that being a missionary is one of the gifts. Like some people have the gift of the spirit of, of missionary. That's not a thing that's defined. There are evangelists, but that can be done within your local community. You know, there are missionaries or in, who Hon- are, or in Honduras or in yep. there. And there yep. are, there are missionaries who are pastor teachers. There yep. are missionaries who are doing whatever, whatever the gifts of the spirit are. Missionary is not a gift of the spirit. We are all missionaries. Use your gift in your mission field. I can tell you one thing that is a gift though, being able to immerse yourself in another culture and being able to live there. Cause it's difficult. Most people cannot move to another country. Oh, I totally agree. Move. I couldn't, could not, cannot involve. I, in, in I moved from Metro Atlanta to Winder. And I had to yeah, adapt. It wasn't a new language. Special calling too. It, it does, does, man. But <laughs> I, I don't think you <laughs> lived in Snellville. You didn't move from Metro Atlanta. That is a lot different. I don't, I went from wearing Royal elastics and skinny jeans to Wranglers and boots. And, and I, you know, over it the years, over the years, I've done short-term stuff and stuff like that. And all the missionaries, quote unquote, missionaries that that were there, full-time missionaries that were successful, were the ones that that didn't try and make their little America. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, in, in that well, that, that's a that's a use of involved. the skills that God gives you. That's right. not necessarily and I think a, that's a calling. Yeah, and, and that's why that's kind of why I was pointing out too that not necessarily that I wasn't doing missionary ish work in China is 
I went there to be an English teacher. I was not there to, for the intent of, of doing stuff that I was there. It was just a byproduct of me being involved with the church. That there. became your mission be, field because be, that's where you because were. Because that's where I was. So I was a Christian. But that see, got that's what makes a real church. missionary. Right. And I, I yeah. think, I think in the, in the U S uh, cause I, I would come back every year or so and they were, Oh, I heard you're a missionary in China. I'm like, no, I'm an English teacher. Like, I I am there. I get I'm getting paid to teach English. I just happen to work with the church because that's what God tells you to do. Mm-hmm. I get involved in the church. I I and I I do stuff that you same things you're called to do. Well, it's kind of like the, it's like tithing. Like people think that tithing is like some great thing that they do, and really that's just the bare minimum. Right. Being a missionary mm-hmm. is the bare minimum. Yeah. Exactly. Being a mission. Be- Mission being to your minded, field. being you know yep. wherever your community is, like you said, right. I mean, you became a missionary because you're in China. Because right. you were in China, I was not there because God told you to go to China and tell people about Jesus. Right now, did it happen to be super illegal for the stuff I was doing? Yes, <laughs> but, yeah. but 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 I'd much rather face that than, than the God who's called me to be involved with yeah. the church. And, and the same could be said the other way too. I mean, like, what about for me? So, like, I'm specifically called to be a pastor where where I'm at. If I, if I got, had this like haunting feeling like, well, you know what? I really, I'm going to go back to Honduras with you. Like that would not, I wouldn't be serving the, the calling that has been given to me, the mission field that I've been given at that point. So everybody's got their own specific, they've got their mission field. Use your gifts there. Right. I so, think God creates you with talents and, and personality to be able to handle different cultures. Most people, yeah, they can do these short one week, two week things where they go and do some do some building or building or, you know, which is, which is, yeah, which is great. You know, (laughs) maybe, you know, go take a mission trip to Hawaii kind of thing. Uh, Volunteerism. Yeah. And which there's no problem because sometimes, you know, with as much as these churches, which I kind of hate, but sometimes those are the kind of trips that actually grasp the people that are really called. That's the one that's how, that's my story. I mean, that's how, that's how I got there. I went, I went on a mission trip because it was a week away from my parents. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So the first mission trip I ever went to was to Honduras a, a long time ago, and I didn't like it because I went with the church, mm. and they they kept us so safe that I was like, I'm never going with the church again. So the next time I went somewhere, it was just me and a buddy that went to go stay with another guy that got was going to live in another country for a couple. So of when years. I was a youth pastor, we would take <clears throat> forty high school students to 40? Rosarita, Rosarita, Mexico. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. We'd fly, we'd fly to Los Angeles, Atlanta to LAX and rent like 10 town and country vans and drive down through San Diego, Tijuana, uh, all the way down. That's Baja. crazy. I did it twice. Uh, yeah, no, I, I did it. You were like 25. I did it like six or seven. Times. That sounds really responsible. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's amazing that parents actually sent their kids with me. Um, or the parents that went with you. It was, yeah, your mother-in-law went. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. But, uh, oh my gosh, yeah, that's but, right. Yeah. <laughs> but what's funny? But what's funny? So we we, we take those trips, and it's like um, the, the goal of the trip um, had nothing to do with anything in Rosarita. <laughs> like it wasn't about bettering the Mexican community around the facility that we were at. And like we go do an outreach, and it wasn't about reaching out to anyone. Like are the entire, like, we didn't tell the kids that, but the whole, the whole goal of us taking them was to expose them. It was, it was really about our kids, giving them an experience in a different culture, in a different environment, uh, outside of their comfort zone to teach them things about themselves. Now, 
did we want to do good and, and be a blessing, et cetera? Sure. Um, but that wasn't, you know, you know, you're going to be there for a week. It's a bunch of teenagers. I always felt bad whatever construction project we did because it was like someone was going to have to come by afterwards, you know, and fix it. It's like, do you really want, you know, eight high school guys building you a roof? <laughs> um, no, probably not. Um, and so, but it was an experience because you're wanting to teach and instill this, this missions mentality. And, and a lot of people, like all those kids that came back, some of them really were like, Hey, I'm going to go on the mission field. Like I want to go out. Like I really enjoyed doing that. That was, um, but you know, you can do the same thing, whether it's the inner city or whether it's your city or your neighborhood, your town. The idea here is that there is after a class natural disasters. Cause I know lots of people that do that after hurricanes and hurricanes. Exactly. But that, but again, I want to try to get out of the idea of, of seeing a missionary as a title and, and it being more of the calling and that calling is universal. We all are a missionary to whatever world God has called us to, to reach. Um, I, I guess the question for the audience is like, you know, sometimes it's, it's easy. Like we like to throw money at a missionary and pump up the missionary, have the missionary come in and like support the missionary um, at the expense. <laughs> right. Yeah. At, but we do that at the expense of our own mission. So um, earlier you said that we did a disservice to missions in the way that we currently do it. To go back to that, can I clear, can I, am I, are you clarifying it to say that you don't mean that, that the way that we, we have like, big M missionaries isn't a disservice to them, but it is, we're doing a disservice to ourselves in that we are infantilizing ourselves in a certain way. You see, like, I think, I think that we don't do missions in our own life because we think, Oh no, there are, yeah, there are these missionaries yeah. out there and they're doing that. So I don't have to, I like you meant when you said I the think, disservice I think that line. That's, I think that's absolutely applicable. Okay. Um, I will add to that though, that I think one of the other components of what we do as a big disservice is the big missionary stuff. It's the, it's the big organizations, um, the, the big missions funding. Um, like, like we, we've, we've made it a career path in like this very unique way. Like, like we've made it, seems the right way to say it. We've made it like an apart, like a set aside, a, a part style, like ministry. Like the church does this and the missions people do this yeah. and the church supports the missions people. They literally call it a missions field. It's separate from it's separate. whatever you're it's doing here. As opposed to it being like, and, and I think that gets fostered by like having third party mission organizations that denominations underwrite who then recruit missionaries to go do this because it all ends up being about numbers then and about filling data sheets and feeling great about it. And I think with those, you, you often get missionaries that were never called to be missionaries. It becomes Absolutely. a career path. It's a yeah. career path. And I've met people like that and they, they were miserable. Yeah. Well, even not even career path. Like I can think of instances where, you know, you build up the idea of the missionary enough and you start to think like, well, gosh, you know, I haven't really done anything for God in a while. There's an opportunity to go to, you know, Mexico for a week. I can get some, you know, buy up some time, get a, points. get a little bit of God work in and then, you know, <laughs> right. until the next one comes around next year. Now, now let me, let me, let me kind of add one little caveat though. 
of what does make it a little distinct and a little different um, and something we have to be sensitive to. So if, um, so like, let's say Kyle, you felt, you felt called like, Hey, <clears throat> there's a group of people. They don't have a pastor. Um, you know, I, man, I really, you know, you come, you sit down and you're like, Hey, I, I really feel like maybe God's calling me uh, to pastor these people to, to do something like this. But, um, I don't know what to do. And like, Oh, Hey, so we start praying about it. Like God might be calling you to do something and that's great. And, and so as your church, you know, we're, we're behind you and, and, and man, there's confirmation that man, God really does seem to have his hand. Well, we might, we might tell you like, Hey Kyle, <clears throat> uh, we'll help you get started with this, but like, we're not going to, we're not going to pay your salary because you can go work. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you can go up and get a job and 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 do this now you might need some startup money to help with the church and getting a, a, a little nook something like that you know that there's some practical needs um <clears throat> you know we don't hire everybody that wants to do ministry we just support people doing ministry and then there's a unique situation like that where maybe they need some finances to help with that mission that god's calling them to when you get to somebody like kenny and nikki mm -hmm. they're going to a foreign country that they can't work in so it's like, hey, they come and they're like, hey, God's calling me to go and do this thing. And he's put this on my heart and, and there's confirmation. And this is what he's doing. And can you guys pray for me? And we're praying like, yeah, let's do this. We're behind you. Like God has called you to go do this. And so because you can't go work, <laughs> you know, because you're in a foreign country, then, you know, as, as the church, we're going to come behind you in that ministry and we're going to help take care of your needs so that you can do that mission. Your mission's no different than Derek's in Monroe. The only difference is Derek can work a job and do his mission. Kenny can't mm -hmm. do a job and do his mission. And then and then there are times like like in Kyle's situation, if you were to go start a church, it's like, I, I don't have enough time to work and do this thing at the same time. It's like, I'm a missionary in my area. And guess what, and, and I'm fully funded. Why? Because there's a group of people at Calvary 316 uh, that <clears throat> would like me to spend all of my time pastoring Calvary 316 and not the extra 15 hours I might have after a 40-hour work week and then the time I also need to spend with family and kids. You know, I'm blessed because the needs of our church necessitate paying a guy to do it. That's that's where we get into it. Like, that's a little different. A missionary is a little different, but but the calling is all the same. It's something that God puts on your heart, and and when you keep it localized to a church, that's where I think you 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 you, you safeguard from there being that us and them idea. Mm -hmm. And I think the big M missionary organizations just naturally come in and create that distinction as opposed to like local churches should send missionaries as opposed to missions organizations um, sending missionaries. Um, I just think that that's a more organic, uh, we see that, we see that idea presented to us in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think, I don't think Paul would have ever considered himself a missionary as we think of missionaries or any of those guys. Like Paul was just starting churches. They were just doing what they were doing. Like God called them to go someplace. Like, you know, they're in Antioch and Paul's like, I feel like God's calling us to go. 
and they go. He just, he refers to himself as a bond servant all the time. Yeah, he's, he's just, just a slave. Yeah, going where the master tells him. Yeah. Well, the Bible also talks about the churches. You know, the pl- the places that they went were supporting them. Yes, I for mean, sure. And there, and there were times that he had to work too. I mean, he yep. uh, built tents. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's why we tent. call the tent making skill because Paul made tents. Yeah. And, but, but the churches that, that he went to were supporting him. And then when that wasn't happening, he was, you know, he found something else to do. Mm-hmm. And then, the, and then there was a time where the churches are like, yeah, Jerusalem is really getting hammered with this famine and all this. And they start raising money to send back with Paul, you know, to mm-hmm. help those that were struggling. Like it's, yeah. it's, but it, it, but it wasn't like, Again, the idea, going back to the original question, wrapping this up a little bit, like the idea of a missionary and the way that we have now like traditionally come to see a missionary, um, I don't think is a fully biblical notion. And I think, I think it robs us of the idea of that we're all missionaries. Our, just, our missions end up looking different, need to be facilitated differently, and, and handled different, differently. That makes sense? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Any, any additional thoughts? And then we got to... Go ahead and wrap it up here. Use your skills that God gave you. I already yeah. talked too much. So. <laughs> no, absolutely. Kenny, thank you for being with us tonight. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Creighton, did we get to the, the gist of it? Yes, I thought that was a great episode. I thought it was really, really good. Any uh, Anything online? <clears throat> uh, let me double check. We We're do have ready. some we have some hellos um, from a Nick Adams. I'm not sure who that is. <laughs> uh, Nick Adams. Um, okay, yeah. Uh, Blake Beckham was early on in the show. Uh, he said, hold up. Do I spy a Kenneth? <laughs> that was from Blake. Hi, Blake. How's it going, It's good man? to hear from you, man. Um, and then uh, Jennifer Abbott, one of our longtime listeners, okay. told us good evening earlier. And a Miley Parkin said uh, that she is winning the battle on Christmas and not to let Kyle fool us. <laughs> <laughs> good for you, Millie. Absolutely good for you. Uh, Creighton, thanks for being with me, brother. Always a pleasure. With all that being said, thank you so much for watching uh, the live stream version of the Outlaw Radio Show. What are you looking at? No show next week. Oh, that's right. We have a new graphic that will be put up. I was trying. I was yes, trying to be no, cool. I got you. You're trying to be coy, and I'm like, what are you waving your arm for? Thanksgiving. We will not be meeting. Uh, we will not be meeting next week. Again, if you're watching the live, thanks for being with us. Uh, don't tune in next week. Uh, if you're listening on the podcast, which is released on Thursday, hang out with us on the live stream, which is Wednesdays. With all that being said, my name is Zach Adams. Thank you so much for joining me. And these knuckleheads, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Come on. See ya.